Welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chambers podcast, where we talk about everything Charlotte with area business and community leaders. Here are your hosts, Chamber Chief Operating Officer Michael Orzak and CEO of Chase Media, Diane Chase. Hi, Logan. Welcome to In The Loop, the Charlotte Area Chambers podcast, where we talk about Charlotte businesses and helping small businesses. Welcome. And thank you, Diane, for joining us, my co-host. It's always a pleasure to be your co-host, Michael. Hi, Logan. It's so wonderful to have you with us today. I'm really, really looking forward to, to our conversation. And you and I go back a long time, I think back to the International Association of Business Communicators and the, the Charlotte chapter. Way I was going to say, I remember, you know, going to one of those first meetings at the Mint Museum. Is, I, it's got to be at least 10 years ago, at least, if not more than that. So I know we've both been in Charlotte a while. Um, I've probably been working in communications here since about 2004, with the exception of a year. I left for Greenville, South Carolina. I love Greenville, but realized it was a mistake and I came back. So I'm, <laughs> I love Charlotte. I'm excited to be here and I live a little bit outside Charlotte now in the suburbs, but um, you know, still love the heart of Charlotte and being part of the community and the, the business community here. Exactly. And you have been a, a great part of the business community, especially in um, our shared area of, of expertise, the communications area. And wondered if you could just kind of walk us through a little bit of your professional journey here in Charlotte. Yeah, so, you know, I moved here, you know, I have a, a typical story out of college, moved here kind of with a friend and we both got jobs here. And so I started off working for basically a marketing agency that had a PR arm and kind of got my feet wet in that. And I will say this was after a, a short stint um, working for a governor's campaign, doing doing communications there. So kind of learned a lot on the fly in that role, but started to build my career here in Charlotte and worked for a, a few nonprofits. Um, I would say probably one that people would know is Discovery Place. So I was there for a number of years, loved that job. I, I still take my kids there now. So that's always been an um, organization that's very, very important to me. And from there, I moved into healthcare and I was in that space for about seven or eight years with Ortho Carolina, big orthopedic group, independent group um, that's still in Charlotte. Spent, I would say the bulk of my professional career there. Um, really enjoyed that role. And then recently, about six months ago, moved over to Duke Energy. So completely changed industries. I went, you know, I'm still in communications, but went from healthcare to um, working for a utility. So that's been a big change. But this, you know, the whole time um, I've been in the communication space, PR space, as we know, it's a very fluid space. So I've done a little bit of everything. I've done some, some writing, I've done um, PR, I've done media relations, and I've done some content creation back when that started you know, kind of going through its boom a couple of years ago, I tried to be on the forefront of that. And then a little bit of social media here and there, but that is definitely not my area of expertise. <laughs> well, I just, um, I just love the fact that you have that broad perspective about communication in, in various size organizations, nonprofits, not-for-profits, um, healthcare is a whole separate entity in terms of communication needs and challenges too. What are some of the things that you are seeing trending? Like how has strategic communication changed 
since since you first became involved in that industry? Sure. I mean, you know, I, I will say when I first started, it was it was all about the media. It was getting your story in the media, and that was all I knew. That was all I knew what you know to do. So this was back in the days when we would get the media clips that would come to us in a package in the mail, and you'd sort through your stack of media clips where you were mentioned and. You know, as, as it evolved over time, I mean, PR has just gone on out in all different directions. Obviously, digital placement is huge now, and it's not, you know, media is still very, very important. Don't get me wrong. And if you're if you're working for a client, a lot of times I've found that that's, that is oftentimes what is important to them. So it's definitely still important. But just the whole community relations aspect is really important now. So finding some of these community partnerships, um, you know, finding organizations that you might share values with that it doesn't necessarily have to be a paid partnership, but is there a way that you can team up to work on a project or that you can mutually support each other, you know, even just on social media or something like that. So just finding ways to kind of amplify your voice in the community through some, you know, by leveraging some of these community relationships you might have and might be able to build for your brand. And then I would say too, just, you know, content, we hear about it all the time, but content has just become such a huge element of PR. And I even, you know, when I talk to people that are trying to get into PR these days, like students who are looking for their first job or just trying to network, you know, I always say to them, you know, if you're a writer, talk about that because writing is such a critical skill these days. If you have that skill, you're much more likely, I feel like, to get hired into a communications role. Because to me, every single job I've had, I've had to be able to write in some capacity, whether that's creative, whether that's a press release, language for the web, you know, what, whatever it may be, emails. If you know how to structure an email and get a reporter's attention, like writing is just such a critical tool. Um, I will say, you know, at Duke Energy, where I'm now, what I've been super impressed by is they have a brand journalism site and it's called Illumination with a small i, um, which I think is a great play on words for, for an energy company. But um, it's, it's just, an, you know, it's amazing, like the, the, the talent, the writing, the stories they tell, and it's just a really rich way to kind of share the story externally. Um, you know, of course, we take those articles and share them other places, and they're great fodder for us to pitch as media stories. But um, they're a company I feel like has really done the brand journalism thing really well. You know, I, I do feel like in my past role, we, we did a good job of it, but just seeing what they do has really been eye-opening for me. That's fantastic. And you hit on the, the key word really these days is stories, stories that resonate and connect, that build your brand, as you mentioned, because that's where you really um, can find success because you're connecting with your stakeholders in a personal way, in a human to human way that is more important than ever now that we're in a virtual world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. And it's a, it's a skills building proposition too, because I, I'm sure we've all seen um, cases, shall we say, of really poor writing that disconnects. Um, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't come across as professional. It doesn't come across even um, as really a good representation of the company. Poor writing is is you know a terrible reflection sometimes on a brand. So it's really important to to make sure that you have people who are trained and skilled and, you know, ongoing professional development is really important in communication. You're right. And, and even taking it a step further, I would say, you know, think about when you're writing or when you're putting something together, 
you know, why would I, like, why would I, as a person you're trying to target your audience, why do I want to read this? Like, if it's all about you, why do I want to read that? You know, I'm just going to delete it. I'm going to move past it. So you've got to think of it in a way as it puts something in it that benefits the reader. So is it a great story? Is it a, a skill they can use? Is it something they may not know? You don't want to get in your piece of writing or your email pitch or whatever it may be and be salesy and be all about yourself. So it's one of the situations where anytime you're writing, think about, um, you know, how you can make that more, less about you and more about your reader or your audience, whatever it is. Yeah. As we've always, as we, we've always known, put yourself and your readers, your listeners, your viewers, shoes and their mindset and, mm -hmm. and what do they care about? Really, that's the first question. What do they care about? What do they need to know? What do they want to know? Yeah. All those good, good things. So what's an interesting um, communication project you've had in your new role? Interesting project. So, um, so one thing, um, one of the groups that I support. So, so basically, what I do, I guess I'll, I'll start with talking a little bit about what I do for Duke Energy. So, I'm a um, basically like a communications manager. So, I, I support a specific area of the business along with the team, and we all we all support you know the, the same general area of the business, but we drill that down a little bit, and I have specific teams that I support and specific executives that I support. So. One of the groups that I support is our distributed resources group. Um, and in that group, we have a group called Transportation Electrification, and they're working on a lot of things related to electric vehicles, which is really neat. So, you know, and, and when you think of utility, you're like, well, what role do they play in electric vehicles? Um, so what Duke Energy is doing is we're trying to kind of fill in, fill in a gap um, that exists right now in North Carolina, and that's just creating a, a charging network. So right now, that's one of the things we're working on is trying to fill that gap. Um, also educating people about, about electric vehicles. I know there's a little bit of fear there about, you know, how would I charge my vehicle? Um, you know, how can, how can, you know, is, is it really realistic for me to own one? Like, how would I charge that at home? What kind of infrastructure do I need in place? So as a utility company that's going to provide that power, we do a lot of things to educate um, our customers about how they can do that. And one of those things is through our um, our EV garage is an electric vehicle garage, which is basically a pop-up trailer. And it goes around to different events and people can come through and actually, you know, simulate charging their electric vehicle and um, find out, you know, what it would be like and what, what they would need at their house to be able to do that. There's so much innovation going on, but you touched on the critical aspect of, and really applies to any business, educating your target audience, your target customer, client, whatever it might be, about what you do and how it can help them, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, people think of Duke Energy and they think the power at my house. Um, and yeah, it is. And it's really, really important. And, you know, we serve millions and, you know, millions and millions of customers, not just in North Carolina, but in our various jurisdictions. But, you know, when one person's power goes out, that's important to that person. So, you know, we power is a big thing we do, but there's a lot of other you know, great projects we're working on, both in the regulated and non-regulated space. And um, it's just exciting to get to, to support some of those and showcase the really neat things that the, the smart people at Duke Energy are doing. That's very, very cool. Are you seeing some challenges in the next three to five years in terms of, of communication practices for businesses? What do they need to be aware of as, as they look to the future? You know, I, I think all of us as communicators, we know that the media is shrinking a little bit. So for us, that's a big challenge. You know, I, mean, I said that, 
media is not everything, but it's still very important. But, you know, some of these, some of the media have kind of skeleton staffs now. Like I've, there's been a few times for various reasons I've reached out to some of these community papers that generally in the past were pretty easy, you know, to get a story placed with them. And they say, we literally don't have anybody to cover that. Can you just send us something? Or they say, um, you know, we're only in operation two days a week or something like that. So just the opportunities to get these placements that are, you know, still important to executives and to leaders are just getting fewer and fewer. So um, in our role as communicators, it's important that we continue to think of creative ways to talk about what we're doing. Um, you know, so I think that that's one big challenge. I think about that because when I remember like reading the newspaper, right, you had pages and pages of stories. And now you get an email that's only so long. <laughs> it is. It and is. That's, and that's it. And so how do you get your story in this it email well, that goes out where you used to have 30 pages or 15 or. Well, know. so this this leads me to, I guess, relationships and networking, which we all know in business is is also critical um, in communications. If you're in the communication space, it's also important to us because we, if you know reporters or know media, it's a lot easier to get your story placed. Um, for us now, you know, a lot of times with TV, if if there's if there are reporters that have longevity there and you have a relationship with them, that's great because it's, you know, that way you can get directly to them. But a lot of times with broadcast, the turnover is is pretty frequent, like every two years sometimes. So it's it's hard for us to keep up with who's there. So then, you know, getting your message through becomes more difficult. So that's that's just a, an additional um, you know, challenge that we face, but I will say back to my original point about relationships, relationships and networking are so critical, you know, especially with, for, for PR and communications purposes, just, you know, having those community partnerships and then getting your story placed. To me, um, most of the work I've done has always been based around relationships. And, you know, my dad drilled early on into my head, the, the importance of networking and the critical, criticality of doing that. And so I've always, tried to do that and keep that at the forefront of my work. I think that's brilliant. It's it all it's all about relationships and you know whether it's what you buy, who you support, who you donate, it's it's one person buying from another person. They're not, you know, that relationship is between a human and a human, right? Mm -hmm. So, and the you know, the shrinking newsrooms are such an important uh, thing to keep in mind too, as you mentioned, and that's where well-written content becomes a make or break. Because if they can take your content because it's it's already polished and ready to copy and paste, they will do that. Um, there's an opportunity to kind of take advantage, if you will, in a good way of the fact that they don't have a lot of reporters. So if you can basically do that job for them, on a, on a simple press release and give them some content, that's, that's an easy, uh, easier way to get in. That's right. I can, you know, that, that even goes, extends to not just content, but, you know, as, as communicators, we often write press releases and there's people that will say the press release is dead. The media don't care about that anymore. That's kind of the old school way. But if you kind of blend like the, the content strategy with the news release, and I'll give an example of this at, at my current job. So April 18th every year is National Lime Worker Appreciation Day. So Duke Energy, we have lime workers who to us are like, they're the front lines of what we do. So they're the ones that, you know, if the power goes out and there's a storm outside or it's cold or it's, you know, 100 degrees or whatever it may be, 
they're the workers that get dispatched, that leave their families to go out and get the power back on. And I think, you know, and I have a point to all of this, sometimes us as the customer sitting at home frustrated because our power's gone out, whether it's due to a storm or a car hit a utility pole or whatever it is, we forget sometimes there's a human on the other side that's going to fix the power. And so, you know, we send these line workers out, um, you know, in, a, in all kinds of conditions to go fix our power, always keeping safety first. And so, you know, I will say people get frustrated by the time frame, but we always wait until it is safe to send our line workers out. And so because of all that, National Line Worker Appreciation Day exists every, you know, April 18th. And that's one of the celebrations that I am lucky enough to, to lead at Duke Energy. And this is my first year doing that. Um, you know, and, and so just in thinking about, well, we've had this observance now, I think it's been like a nationally recognized, federally recognized observance for something like eight years. You know, what's a new way that I can share some of the same messages that we've shared around, you know, our line workers and being the, you know, being on the front lines and being, you know, safe and all of these things. You know, so I actually wrote the press release as like a fun kind of, I think it was nine facts you may not know about line workers and included some, you know, facts about, did you know that sometimes animals like snakes and squirrels are the cause of outages? You know, just things that you don't normally think about when you're talking about like a, you know, calendar observance like that, but something that's going to catch media's eye and maybe not just media. I mean, you never know who will run it, but um, that was nice for me because I got some good feedback internally, but I feel like it was picked up more and we got a few more interview requests just because it, you know, it was interesting. So um, if you can think about if, if you write press releases or if it's content or, you know, just want to post things on your website, again, you know, think of your audience first, think about what's going to be interesting I hate the phrase, think out of the box, but think a little bit out of the box. Like what's something, you know, don't do the same thing you did last time. Um, just think, you know, a little bit more creatively. And I think sometimes that can go a long way. Oh, absolutely right. Because it sets you apart, right? And that's, mm -hmm. that's where you get that attention. So I want to shift gears just a little bit here. Back to a little bit of your professional journey. And you have um, made some leaps from very different organizations in your career, even though you're, you know, 12. <laughs> oh, I wish. Man. Oh, you flatter me. Gosh, I think maybe, maybe a little more than 12 when we <laughs> Well, you're young. <laughs> so what sort of um, advice, if you will, would you give to, to young professionals and even mid-year, mid-career professionals about how you can move from one company, one business, one even profession, you've stayed in the same profession, but what would you say in terms of some steps to help them either prepare for a change, move through a change successfully, really integrate themselves in a new company? Yeah, you know, I, th I think that you can succeed really in any industry you choose as long as kind of you have the functional skills in your job area. I, I think, you know, obviously when you interview, I think one of the first things people look for is like a strong presence and, um, you know, just being eager about the job and being excited. So, I mean, I think just if, for younger people, doing your first interview can be really nerve wracking, but if you can practice some and just get comfortable doing that, just that in and of itself, um, you know, seeming excited about the company, knowing the basics of what they do and being able to talk about that can go a long way. You know, I would say as far as if you're if you're onboarding with like a, you know, into a new industry, 
Um, a great way to start is just to follow the company on social media. It's an easy way to start because, you know, if they're, that's where they're going to be, you know, we always talk about social media being the highlight reel, right? So that's where they're going to be talking about what is the most important to them. Um, going a little bit further than that, you can follow key leaders like the CEO on their social media pages. Maybe they have a Twitter account. Maybe they have a LinkedIn account. I would definitely check out LinkedIn and not just the CEO, but other key leaders. Um, I'm seeing like even, you know, within the industries I'm working in now, a lot of these executives have, you know, we have positioning plans for them. I mean, it's not just at the top level, but even a couple of levels down because we want to get those executives out into the community. So just looking at those leaders, understanding what they do, what their teams are, can really give you a lot of insight, you know, as far as like what's really important to the company. Um, we talked about the con, you know, content hubs. Um, I mean, just just look and see if they if they publish their own content. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big content hub like Illumination on, on Duke Energy, but a lot of them will just have some kind of a blog, which is great because again, you know, these companies are however big they are, they're taking the time to put those messages together. They're clearly thinking through what do we want to say, and so whatever they're putting up there is information that's important to them. So that's always something you can bring up, or you can you can glean little bits of knowledge just, just by reading that. Um, same with the newsroom section. If they're sending out press releases, they're going to post that there and that's news they want to share. Um, and then I would say, you know, just especially from our most recent experience, once you get into the new job, um, you know, for me, it was moving into this completely new industry. Um, didn't really know much about a utility. You know, I, I read some, I knew that, you know, Duke Energy is working towards net zero by 2050, but you know, obviously I did a whole lot more prep than that before I did my interviews and then the job. But once you get in, you've kind of got to dig your heels in and work. I mean, I, I mean, it doesn't, you know, they're not going to put it all at your feet for you to absorb. You've got to work a little bit. So we talked about networking. You've got to network internally in your new industry. Like you've got to network within your company. You've got to introduce yourselves to people everywhere you go, um, whether that's in Zoom meetings. I mean, even if it's not your meeting, just say, hey, can I introduce myself? I don't know a lot about this group. I'm new. To the company, I would just love to, you know, share who I support and just see how I can, can support this group. I mean, something little like that can go such a long way. Um, if you're in the office, talk to people in the break room. It's it's funny. I was I was in the office the other day, and I, you know, we we um, sign up for cubicles before we come into the office. But someone and I, we were sitting kind of diagonally from each other, and she looked at me and she was like, "What's your name?" And I told her, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, we were on this Zoom and blah blah blah." And it was just great because we made this connection. So, um, and if she had not spoken to me, I don't know that we would have made that connection. So now she, I know where she sits, and we always say hi, and it's just great. So, I would say, you know, always talk and introduce yourself whenever you can. Um, you know, I, and the more I've been in my job, I just I start to think of all these little questions, and I'm like, I need somebody to answer this, but like, not this moment may not be the most ideal time. So I just keep a little running list, literally in the notepad on my iPhone, and just jot down like, you know, X Y Z. And then later on, I find out who's the appropriate person, and I just go ask more about it. So just these things that I feel like are going to be important in my job, I'm just taking notes about those so I can make sure I go. Um, learn about those later. And then I will say one of the biggest things for me in my new role that, that was important is kind of finding like a trusted friend within your company. And that may sound really silly and like almost like you're in first grade, but finding that person that, you know, understands that you're new, you can kind of establish a rapport with and that when you have a question and you feel silly asking anybody else, you can go to that person and they will help you. So they will help you know who to ask, but they will give you the answer. They will um, critique you when you didn't do well. They will, you know, kind of give you some guidance. And so I have somebody like that at Duke Energy who's on my team and he's 
been there 15 years. He's another spokesperson for Duke Energy. And so funny story, I, I did a media interview yesterday on a local TV station and I thought it went pretty well, right? And I was like, okay, that was, you know, it was really good. I like got all my messages. And so I sent it to him and he's like, you did good, but you, you know, instead of giving this number, you could have said about, and I'm like, <laughs> but it was great because now for the future, I'm going to remember that. And so, you know, I don't take it as criticism and he meant it in the best way possible because he's, he sees himself as like a coach to me, but like he has been instrumental to me in this job um, just because he's helping me, you know, learn how to do my role better. And he's, there's a lot of things he's shown me, but my point is, you know, it's that old saying, you know, find friends, look for friends and like, don't let those friends go. So I think, just finding like a trusted person in your new job or new industry is really, really important. That is that's such an important point. So really finding that, that mentor, that person who's going to have your back, so to speak, and having that learning mindset. So it's, it's constantly being aware of the need for your own personal professional development so that you can achieve your goals in the long term too. Email, keep it short. Like I'm talking a couple sentences max. So like, you know, this is the opportunity. Um, here's how it would benefit your audience. Always think about the audience again, because it is not about you. It is not about your news. I mean, it is about your news, but it is more about their audience. How does this benefit their audience? Um, here's how to get in touch with me. Contact information send. That's all you need to do. Believe me, if they want to know more, they're going to contact you. Um, and then I would say too, um, use Twitter for networking. I don't know. I, I know some people have never been on Twitter. Some people are scared of Twitter, but it's a great way to follow media to see what stories they write because a lot of them will share those. Um, they get on there and they they talk to people in the community. So it's a great place that you can engage with them. You know, so it doesn't have to be about your jewelry store opening or whatever you're doing. You can just say, hey, I read your story on XYZ. I thought it was great. Um, and it's a great way to kind of start to build those relationships. So even if you don't have something to share with them now, when the time comes that you do want to share your jewelry store is opening, you can just say, hey, you know, um, Jenny, I, you know, continue to follow your stories. I think they're awesome. Um, our, jewelry, our jewelry store is opening. Could I maybe send you by email a little bit more information? And if she's familiar with you from Twitter, she may say, sure, go right ahead. Give you her email address and she's probably going to open your email. So um, Twitter to me has always been a great networking tool for media. Um, you can also use a, a, a Facebook pages. A lot of journalists have Facebook pages too, but to me, Twitter's kind of the king when it comes to that. So I would start with those tips. Very interesting. I love that, especially, you know, I'm not, I, I do use Twitter some, but not as much as I guess I should. But again, back to your point, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. So if, if they already know you and you have a little bit of a relationship and there's an awareness of, oh yeah, that's Logan and she's, you know, with Duke. It will, um, it will that, at minimum get them to open your emails. And exactly that's, that's right. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane and Michael. It's great, great to talk to you guys and see you again and hopefully soon in person. So. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for being on our show today. Sure. You're in the loop. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Logan. Thank you for joining us on In the Loop, the Charlotte Area Chamber weekly business and community podcast with your hosts, Michael Orzak and Diane Chase. If you'd like to be a sponsor, please contact us through our website, charlotteareachamber.com. Join us again next week for the latest scoop, In the Loop.